0: If we can create a message by saying that we need to protect the environment and people can look at it through artwork, um, you know, they might find a connection through that piece of art that they never really thought about, you know, before that moment. And it's really about creating kind of that connection to spread that message.
1: Welcome to the Conservation Tribe, I'm your host, Blaine Edwards, aka Earth Offline. On this podcast, I talk with a range of conservationists every single week, from scientists, students, creatives, innovators, and everyone in between. I hope this can be a platform for conservationists to share their story, educate, collaborate, and ultimately inspire action. So if you want to join our Conservation Tribe, then make sure to hit subscribe and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back Conservation Warriors. Today we are joined by Mariska, a designer, artist and also an environmental podcast host as well of the podcast Mama Earth Talk podcast. So Mariska, thank you for coming on the show.
0: Hi, well thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you for coming on. So you and I both come from a fairly similar background. So you studied interior design, I studied architecture and it's pretty interesting that now we're trying to you know, use those lessons and the skills acquired through that training and apply that in more of like an environmentally conscious way. So that's pretty interesting for me how kind of people make those tra- transitions, you know. Um, yeah. But before we dive into that, can you please expand a little more on who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, so obviously I'm Mariska and yeah, I started off like kind of as interior design and that kind of led me to incorporate like some waste materials into my artwork a few years back, I'm just like kind of experimenting with single use capsules. And then from there on, it kind of just like led into me wanting to know more about the environment, what we are doing, what effects it has on the environment. And yeah, so since then, I've been trying my best to uh, spread awareness and also to create artwork that that can kind of spread a message as well and also create more awareness and make other people think about the choices that they are making in like a non-judgmental kind of way. And yeah, like you've mentioned, I've got the, the podcast as well. Uh, so we've got like well over 100 episodes now. And yeah, everything I've kind of done over the last I would say four years has mm. all been kind of, you know, towards this goal of creating awareness and, you know, quitting my day job, as you said, you know, I mentioned interior designer and then just focusing on stuff that I can do that can also be good for Mama Earth as well.
1: For Mama Earth. I like that part where you're talking about in a non-judgmental type of way. I think that is really important because, this whole thing is so so complex and and no one's for the most part intentionally trying to do something that is damaging the environment. So yeah, pointing the finger and and kind of just judging people, I don't think that's super constructive. Um but using the idea of using trash as a medium for art was that what kind of sparked that idea to use trash as a medium? Was it like to try and have a creative edge, like it started off as being like more of a I'm gonna try this to see where this goes from a creative point of view, or was there some environmental component to it from like the from the very beginning?
0: No, I think it um it was like it kind of started and my whole journey kind of started. So I actually don't have a coffee with me now, but normally you would always see me with a cup of coffee. And I absolutely love coffee. So I was standing in front of our coffee machine and I was looking at these single-use capsules I was using and i was putting it in the coffee machine and i just thought like wow this is so beautiful and after i made the cup of coffee it was the container was full and i had to like empty all of the used capsules and it was again in that moment where i was just like hang on so this thing that i just thought was so beautiful i'm just going to discard of it so easily and it's going to be thrown away or recycled and That's the end of it. And I just felt like, no, there has to be more to this than just throwing these stuff away. And that's when I started saving it. But little did I know that that's going to be the rabbit hole that's going to start everything. Um, And then I just decided, you know, why is this material being used? Like I need to kind of investigate more stuff so that I can understand better as well. And um, so I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Um, I just kept on saving and saving and saving capsules. And then I started, you know, asking friends and family that, st- that also use these capsules to give it to me when they are done and not to throw it in the bin and like, let's see what we can do with it. And about 913 capsules later, the first coffee addiction lamp was made. So it was a lamp just full of flowers. And it was just such an inspiring project. And that made me think, you know, how else can we kind of reimagine waste? And what else can we like not throw away? Is there second life options for other items as well? And that also led me to think that, you know, I shouldn't just concentrate on what do I do with the trash afterwards? I should also look at how do I not create this trash in the first place? And so I wanted to incorporate that into some of the art pieces that I did as well. And that led to a number of cool and interesting projects that I worked on throughout the last couple of years just to create awareness and, you know, to also make people look at these art items. And a lot of the pieces, when you look at it at first, it's like, this is a really cool art piece. And it's only when you go close and when you maybe, you know, really identify what it is that you're like, hang on, this is like single-use capsules, or this is like water bottles, or, you know, you identify that and a lot of people would then identify some of their habits in these art pieces as well. And I wanted that to kind of spread the message. Um, So that's kind of how, how the art started. Mm -hmm. and um and yeah so I always just try to like figure out what's going to be the next project and what is something else that you know I might be struggling with that I want to bring awareness and that might be my next medium
1: yeah there you go and you mentioned the rabbit hole like that's something that I can definitely relate to was did you kind of enter that rabbit hole fairly quickly like when you first started exploring this was it like you're living around the circle of this rabbit hole for a little bit and then eventually you dove completely in or was it like a pretty quick uh transition into this rabbit hole like does was was there a moment where you're like i'm in this rabbit hole like where it was clear (laughs) i think
0: that was probably a little bit further down um down this path because you know i started ex um like just learning more. And the more I learned, the more I was like, wait, I didn't know plastic bottles was an issue. And like, wait, I didn't know this was an issue. And I didn't know this cannot be recycled. So it kind of, you know, I dipped my toe in a Mm -hmm. little. And I would say probably for about six months to a year, it was like dipping, dipping, and you know, you figure out more stuff. Mm -hmm. And then one day you are literally walking around carrying all of your trash for 30 days just to yeah. create even more awareness. So I think it kind of started slow and once it, it got there, it was like all in.
1: All in, yeah. I said that because I, I was asking myself that same question not too long ago and it was hard to pinpoint like an, an exact moment, but one moment that came to mind was because um, this journey for me is fairly early for me in terms of like doing it properly not as a kind of eco communicator type role. But the moment that came to mind was I was on my computer. It would have been like nighttime. And I was like, I want to, I really want to try and map out all the species of, um, what was it? Like all the cat species of the world. I think it was. Um, and, I've kind of researched all the cat species and I was like roughly 38 or so. Uh, and then I, that night I just got kind of went on my computer. I just did that for hours and like had no sleep that night. And then that next morning I was like, yeah, I think I'm in this. I'm, I'm all in <laughs> on this. I'm in the rabbit hole, like completely. I came to that realization the morning after. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty, pretty interesting. The one thing, though, because we, we came into the space with some kind of design and creative type of background. I know for me personally, there was a little bit of... So this podcast is called Conservation Tribe. Um, and there was a bit of resistance at the beginning for me to even refer to myself as a conservationist, uh, largely in part because I didn't really know what it meant and also because I was fairly new. Um, but then the more I've been involved in this, the more my definition of a conservationist and an environmentalist has changed. So from your perspective, uh, how would you de- define a, an environmentalist or a conservationist?
0: That's quite an interesting one because, I mean, I often refer to myself as an environmentalist. And then you sometimes get a lot of back, backlash of like hmm. you're a self-proclaimed environmentalist. and Um, So, you know, you kind of get both sides, Um, but for me, and I just feel like an environmentalist and conservationist is any, any single person, whether it is, you know, someone going on a beach cleanup, someone that is advocating, you know, for new laws um, so that they can reduce single-use plastic or, you know, fight for the protection of some um, species, anyone that is really advocating for the protection of the environment. So, you know, like literally it can be anyone that is trying to do their part, whether it is small or whether it's big. You know, um, I just feel like I don't want to define that you need to do at least five things to consider yourself an environmentalist. I don't think there's something like that. But I definitely think, you know, anyone that's willing to take a step and to advocate and to protect the environment, that for me would be classified as an environmentalist or conservationist and you get you get different degrees but if you're willing to do that then you know for me good on you and i would give you that I
1: I, I I agree because there there's, there's there's not one one particular action like in order to solve this problem we there's so many different things we need to do so we, we can't kind of pigeonhole conservationist as being you know you need to do xyz because you need to do a b c d e f g x y z type thing there's so many different things you need to do um some some kind of keywords that come to mind when i think of it though is you know the action part the action is is important i think intention as well like some people can you know maybe do do something and the the byproduct is something that is beneficial for the planet but Uh, I think that intention is important as well and also some sense of um, like doing it for the long term like a lifestyle time type of thing Um, like whether it's trying to cut out uh, you know be live more zero waste this is involves a a range of like eco habits that you're doing on a day-to-day basis like all these things is for it's intentional it's it's an action and it's like for a for a longer period of time like i i think anyone that does anything related to that is an environmentalist conservationist to me like we we don't want the entry the barrier to entry to be too big you know
0: exactly exactly and i mean like you know if people look at me and they're like oh so you're like calling yourself an environmentalist what did you study anything environmental related and i'm like no i studied interior design you know that doesn't make me less of someone that wants to protect this environment just because I didn't study environmental sciences. Um, you know, if, if you studied environmental sciences, yeah, good on you. But, um, you know, it's definitely, it's got to do with, um, you know, like you said, again, the intention and, you know, if, if you do something small and you know you're fighting and protecting the environment, then you know the world needs more people like that. We do not need a thousand people that's doing absolutely everything perfect. We need everyone to just like take, even if it's the littlest of step, because every little step that we take really makes difference.
1: Hundred percent. Little by little, little becomes a lot. I say that pretty much every one and two podcasts. That quote it's a Tanzanian <laughs> proverb, one of my favorites. Um, okay, so. As a, as people with a design background or creativity type background, um, what role do you think art and design plays in protecting the natural world?
0: Well, I definitely think that um, you know if you look at art um, throughout all of the years, and if you look at now some of um, the big artists like Banksy, and you know there's some some amazing artists out there. And I definitely feel that art and you know has the potential of creating awareness. And you know if we can create a message by saying that we need to protect the environment and people can look at it through artwork, um, you know they might find a connection through that piece of art that they never really thought about you know before that moment. and it's really about creating kind of that connection to spread that message and, you know, um, just to create awareness even more. So I definitely think, um, there's quite a, quite a big link into that. And I mean, if we look at the design industry now as well, we are seeing more and more, um, projects that is being designed with kind of the environment and sustainability in mind, you know, like 50 years ago, like people didn't really consider having solar panels on the roof, you know, designing so that we use the absolute minimal um, amount of water every time you open the tap or when you flush the toilet. So I definitely think there is this movement is driving more change towards this as well. Um, So, yeah, it's all about all about creating awareness. And, you know, if, if an art piece or. A really cool sustainable building can do that, and you know, sometimes people don't really care at first, and I'm putting this in air quotes. Um, but you know, once they once they start seeing like, oh my goodness, like my solar panels have saved me so much money, you know, that might lead to the next thing that they want to change, and before you know it, you know, one thing that they thought. Wasn't really a big step, has had such a big impact as well. So definitely, I think the awareness aspect from that is so critical or crucial.
1: Both, I think, both crucial and critical. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, when I when I think of artists and designers and creative people in general, in terms of the environment, I see them as being like the links or the bridge between, you know, the science and the general public. So you mentioned like you know these environmental scientists that go to, to university and you know they're, they're there to learn what they can do to you know, learn these things about the environment. But in order for that to the power of that to be fully realized we need to then distribute that science to the people that need to hear it. And yeah I think that's where kind of people like us may come in and, and lend a helping hand is helping them, you know, link their work to the rest of the world and amplify the work through that um, through that awareness. Because, yeah, if, if there isn't a link, yeah, there's a lot of science and, and knowledge that isn't being heard by the people. And that is disappointing. Like, that is that makes me sad with, with all this environmental wisdom that isn't being heard by the people that need to really hear it. And, yeah, like for me, I think of art, because at the beginning of this podcast, you said some people, when they see your artwork, they first, uh, their attention is, you ha- the, your art piece grabs their attention first. And then they come in closer for a closer inspection. And then they realize that it's made up of all these different components. And then they understand more the message behind it. But the, the intention part first, in order to, to raise awareness, you first need their attention. And I think exactly. art, art is good at grabbing people's attention.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, if you because um, a lot of my artwork is based around, you know, maybe certain statistics um, that I want to kind of drive that message through. And if people just saw that statistic, like, you know, um, one of the collections that I did was called um, a million bottles per minute. And that refers to how much single use plastic bottles are actually sold every single minute. So when you look at that, you see all of this plastic bottles, but it actually drives home this message of, you know, this is the statistic. This is the reality. And, you know, that's kind of the message that I want people to kind of take home with them and to also think, you know, how can I hydrate better? You know, is it just by grabbing for the next single use plastic bottle Or am I actually going to challenge that statistic and say no, no more, no more one million bottles? I'm going to ditch the single-use plastic bottle, and I'm going to get a reusable and have a filter, or you know, find different ways to um, avoid these problem areas. Because you know we vote with our money every single day, and you know it's it's up to us. So we can either make a, a choice that's better for the environment. Or we can continue with that statistic and, you know, in a few years' time, it might be two or, well, not even a few years' time, it might be two million bottles per minute. So, you know, that's that's up to us.
1: 100%. Consumers have a lot of power. Like, use your money to support the people that are hopefully doing the right thing. Um, You mentioned with the million bottles and how if you can convey that million bottles message into a piece of art, that could, that message could hit home a little bit harder. Like let's say you've got two options. One is you're, you've written down on a piece of paper, one million bottles are used every minute. And then the second option is you've literally got a million bottles there in the piece of like an artwork right there that you look, like you're looking at it, you can see a million bottles there in person. Like that just hits home that message. Like that makes that, why this is an issue so much more digestible, that versus you know, just writing it on paper. Exactly. So it helps, yeah, package a message and make it more digestible. Um, yep. What are some examples of artwork that you've created to raise awareness and make an eco-impact?
0: Oh, wow. There's been quite a few. Um, probably one of the, the biggest um, installations that I, I did, like, you know, kind of awareness-wise um, was... Actually, I was the art piece <laughs> and I, I wore a dress um, that was made from recycled materials. And I literally every single day I lived like the average person and I was generating between two to three kilograms of waste every single day. And over the course of 30 days, I had about close to 65 kilos of trash in my trash suit and I was walking around all around in the UAE with this. And so that was a really like intense art piece. Um, And, you know, it created a lot of awareness because everyone that saw me on the street, you know, kind of looked at me like funny and they were like, what the hell are you wearing? And I was like, no, this is the latest fashion. You know, it's like the, I'm not throwing anything away kind of fashion. And, you know, so when people looked at me and they saw like, oh, I use the soda can, you know, I use the single use water bottle or, you know, I use this type of items. They kind of saw their decisions in me as well. And people wanted to know, how can I reduce that? How do I opt for something that's better for the environment? So that was quite a big um big thing and it's probably one of the one of the like campaigns and things that i worked on that most people kind of remember me by as like the trash lady (laughs) um but there's there's definitely been many others um i mean in like geez was it last year i can't even remember time flies so fast um i worked on a project where i created a globe that was about two meters by two meters by two meters and that was exhibited at Dubai Airport and it was made with 60,000 single-use straws. Um, so the company that I worked with, they were phasing out their current um, single-use straw options for a more sustainable option but also to kind of, you know, make people aware that they shouldn't just grab a straw, they should actually try and avoid it as much as possible. Um, so we build a whole campaign around, you know, single-use plastic straws and how, how they can be avoided, what options do you have? And then obviously, you know, people had this massive globe that they could look at and it was like 60,000 straws. And, you know, that's pretty much what, um, what a lot of places would use in, you know, whether it's a, a week or, you know, some big change would use this in, yeah, easily a day you know, some, I mean, in, in the U S it's 500 million straws every single day. Um, so that just brought, brought the stuff home again. And, um, another project that was quite cool was the, a million plastic bottles. And I created a few like furniture pieces around that. And it was all single use bottles, um, that I create like chairs. So I'm sure people can go and check and see some of the photos. Um, But with that, I I really wanted to drive home the message of this statistic, but also to demonstrate to people um, the options that you have to kind of bring water into your home. And that was either by a single-use plastic bottle, and this was in the UAE, or um, the chair was made with like copper pipes. So that was the, the second option. So you could either do it by the pipes and have no plastic or you bring it in by the single use plastic bottles. And, you know, that's kind of your options. But, you know, once you've got these bottles, it has to go somewhere. Mm. And, you know, to kind of show people the effects of the volume of how much water bottles we would need. And also like kind of what happens to it afterwards. Mm. And, make them think and make them decide how do they want to bring in water into their home in the future? Is it through all these plastic water bottles or is it going to be through their tap, you know, just like filter water, just put a filter on it. And, um, so yeah, so that, that was some, I mean, there's been so many, there was also I have, like, <laughs> <yeah. I didn't
1: laughs>
0: for hours, these are all on yeah. the
1: website or something.
0: Yeah. So, yes. um, most of the stuffs on my Instagram yeah. account, or yeah, so people can definitely check out some of the cool we'll, projects on there. We'll they? add
1: links to those. Yeah, there's there's a lot of cool. Like the furniture ones are, um, yeah, really cool. Like, and also like you can use them. They're functional, right? Like they're not just yeah they're not just uh, something that's interesting to look at and it has a message. They're actually functional, uh, which yeah. is, which is pretty cool. Um, when you're creating these art pieces. Uh, and these designs, and you're trying to, you know, package some kind of message into it. Are there any topics that you find through your experience that people resonate more with? Like, are there certain topics that they're like, oh, this is, I want to learn more about this?
0: Oh, wow. Um, well, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, um, especially, you know, like with the single use coffee capsules. Um, When people looked at that project, they were like, wait, like, I can get my coffee another way? And I'm like, yeah, there's plenty of ways. So I think, you know, it's by using everyday items that, you know, people that is not yet on the sustainable journey Um, You know, they might just go every single day and buy these items and think like, okay, cool. I need water. So I'm going to buy a water bottle. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, I need a chips packet. So I'm going to buy a chips packet. Um, So I think once once you kind of address these like everyday items and, you know, provide people with alternatives to them as well, that's kind of, you know, people resonate more to that. And obviously, each person is it's on its own journey. So, some people might have already ditched the single-use plastic bottle. So, for them, those art pieces might not jump out as much. But they might still be sucking on a single-use plastic straw. So, that mm. one might, might pop out for them.
1: Well, as long as they're making little steps. Uh- exactly and on these little steps what as as someone who's been you've been living like the zero waste lifestyle for a couple of years now
0: yeah so for a few years now we we kind of don't have um a bin in the house anymore obviously the last few months has been a little bit more challenging with COVID and being in isolation um so yeah so definitely looking forward to not having as much waste but yeah um, I mean, it's all about taking little steps, uh, for this zero waste journey. And it's definitely not something that, you know, people can do overnight. It's, mm. it's little steps and it's, you know, doing what you can mm-hmm. and feel comfortable with.
1: Okay. So on that, what tips or advice do you have for someone who is looking to live a more zero waste lifestyle?
0: Well, I would say kind of, you know um, look at your life because each person life is different. I mean, there's no cookie cutter, how to live zero waste life. You know, there's the book, you read it, you do it. Um, but I do have an e- ebook with some guides and tips for you, but, um, I would say just kind of do a bin audit, you know, you can do it today, have a look at your bin over the next two weeks and see what is some of the stuff that you actually use a lot of in your home. If it is, I don't know, maybe you absolutely love chips and you you know, eat a packet of chips every single day and that might be something that you can look into if it is something that's easy for you to give up or to find an alternative. So I would say do that. Find one thing and just one thing for about two weeks or three weeks or how long it ever takes you to change that habit. And, you know, no matter how big or small it is, if you um, if you start making your own pasta, which is quite a big one for some people, but it's so easy, um, you. you know, give yourself a pat on the back and be like, I'm not using single use plastic items anymore. Or, you know, you have bought um, chips that comes in something that's easy to recycle. You know, take one thing and try and make that a habit, and once you've got that one habit actually as a habit, try and go for the second thing, and, you know, start with easy stuff that that will be easy for you to win, because there's no point in going like, oh, I'm gonna have a plastic-free pantry, and you don't have a a bulk food store in your uh, city. So, you know, start with what you can and just take it step by step. And yeah, of course, like the ebook, I can like provide it to all your people. It's free to download on my Instagram as well. And that gives them a lot of tips just to kind of start. And it also has like how to do a bin audit as well to make it easy and handy for them.
1: Amazing. Yeah, the, the bin audit. I love that. And I imagine, you know, you could do audit the whole kitchen, I guess, like bin audit, pantry audit, fridge audit. And you mentioned kind of pick something easy and try and change that once you've done these audits. And once you've made that change, then go on to the next one. And then slowly, slowly, slowly um, moving towards that zero waste kind of concept. Exactly. But yeah, these little steps are important because... You know, momentum is a, is a real thing. If you try and go too hard too early and, um, you know, you fail, uh, then it could be like, oh, crap, I'm just going to give up, you know. But exactly. if, you, if you do some small change, you get a little win. You're like, oh, this is good. Next one, small win. but oh, that's good. And then this momentum builds. And before you know it, you know, you've, you've made this change.
0: And, I mean, it's all about kind of this awareness. You know, if you're standing in in the line for a starbucks coffee and you forgot your single use oh you're um you're reusable and you have to use a single use coffee cup the fact that you're standing in that queue thinking about that you know thinking like oh my gosh i forgot my cup now i'm gonna use a ceramic one mm-hmm. um you know that is kind of progress because the old you and i'm putting again an air quotes <laughs> might not have even thought about it you would have just like ordered your coffee yes takeaway cup you know, but now you're thinking about it, and that all is little steps. So, give yourself a pat on the back for that, and be like, you know, good on me. I'm doing something, and I'm remembering stuff, and yeah.
1: Hmm. Give yourself a pat on on the back. I love that. It's it's like it's it's actually so important, you know, being exactly. like, ah, oh, I'm I'm proud of myself for making this change. Like I could have so easily not done it, but I did it, and pat on the back. Well done, everyone out there, you warriors. Um, so as a, you're a fellow eco podcaster, yep. can you talk a little bit about what mama earth talk podcast is and perhaps the inspiration and story behind starting it?
0: Yeah. So the podcast started in 2018. So it was just after I finished the, finished this whole like trash challenge where I wore my trash and I got so many questions about people wanting to make changes, but they didn't know what to do. And um, I kept on having the same conversations over and over again with so many different people that I decided, you know what, they, if, if all of these people want to know these questions, there has to be more people that want to know it as well. Um, and then I tried to like find a place where I can gather all these questions and um, try and give people the answers. And if I didn't have the answers, to actually find people that had the knowledge that could answer it so that i can learn and that you know the people can learn as well so my audience the crazy birds <laughs> crazy bird. um,
1: shout out to all the crazy birds
0: yeah so <laughs> so that's kind of the reason behind why i started the podcast and yeah it's been it's been going on since 2018 and over 100 like 18 episodes as we're recording this now And it's just been an amazing journey. Um, Some of the episodes I'm doing on my own, giving people tips and advice. um, But most of the uh, episodes is actually me having a guest and talking about, you know, sustainability and in their field of expertise. And we were fortunate enough to have you on the podcast as well.
1: Yeah, that was my first uh, podcast as a guest. Woohoo.
0: it definitely feels i have to say uh, it feels so much like different yeah you know, different being on the the screen because you know normally you like okay he's, i'm gonna ask this question next and you know, we're gonna do this one and yeah. um but you know, like now for me as well it feels it feels a bit like you know strange but love it <laughs> yeah de-
1: definitely strange being on the on the other end <laughs>
0: yeah so yeah that's that's all that's all different. mama mama earth talk and it's like
1: m-a-m-a mama earth talk mama earth talk so there'll be links but that's a fairly easy name to remember so if you're on your next podcast listening at, just type that in the search and give that a subscribe and a listen um yeah this is more of a personal question how from your podcast your mission at the beginning versus the mission now is that the same or has it slightly evolved over the over the years
0: oh wow um i think i think for me it's always been about creating awareness whether it's one person listening or whether it's you know a hundred thousand people listening um so that is kind of the the core of why i started it and i think it's still the same I still Mm. you know want to learn more and I want to help other people you know to also learn more and you know to think about sustainability we always just think we have to be like this green eco warriors but there's so much more to sustainability than just that you know when when we look at the social aspects of sustainability you know um the environmental obviously is the big one and then um, financial aspects as well. So I want to cover all of those topics in my podcast and, you know, just to create awareness and to make people realize that, you know, just by switching your shampoo the next time that you buy a shampoo that can have an impact on, you know, the environment, it can have an impact on you as well, health reasons. Um, So yeah, I, 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 I think yeah. it's still pretty much the same, Yeah. but yeah, passion has just grown definitely.
1: Okay. Yeah. The awareness part is I guess the key and I guess what you're raising awareness about, I guess, made shift with the times as well kind of thing. Um, another interesting thing that you're doing is you're in the process of building a tiny house. And yes. that's something of, you know, obviously coming from architecture, you know, that's something I'm pretty interested in, but I've all, always been interested in the tiny home concept as well. Like it's when I, I'd love to create one myself one day. So could you expand a little more on the, what the tiny house kind of movement is and um, what inspired you to, to try and make a tiny house of your own?
0: Yeah. So obviously the tiny house movement is currently, you know, kind of exploding and becoming so popular and it's really thanks to you know two two of the main influences I would say for this tiny house movement is obviously um Bryce from living big in a tiny house and you also have tiny house nation um which is on Netflix that's really kind of inspired people to look at this differently because a lot of people when you talk about tiny house they think oh caravan then I'm like, no, it's like so much more, <laughs> you know, not that a caravan is like any, any like bad, but sometimes it's got like this bad stigma around it. Um, but yeah, the, the tiny house is literally um, in, in Australia, it's kind of the same building standards as like a caravan or you like your registration is kind of the same. Um, and it's literally a tiny house on wheels that you can move around. <laughs> Either you move it yourself if it's very tiny, or you get a moving company that can move it for you. And for us, um, there's been a lot of reasons why we wanted to go tiny. First of all, to reduce our footprint. Um, you know, it's it's a lot easier for you to actually build more sustainable if it's such a smaller footprint. Um, you know, it's easy to build off the grid, you know, you can literally our tiny house can be totally off the grid as well, and um, totally self sufficient. So we can literally park on any piece of land. And, you know, we, we're kind of good to go. But one of the other things that tiny houses has really driven is the financial freedom it offers. Um, you know, if, if you look at any other country and if we look at specifically Australia and New Zealand you know if you're in your mid-20s to like early 40s it's super hard to get into the property market you know for you to to buy a house it's really expensive um so you might not want to buy a house you're going to be in this renters like market for quite a few years until you saved enough money to put a deposit down well that deposit could easily pay off for a tiny house in full Um, so now you've kind of you've got your own house it's paid off and you know you you've also got the freedom that like we've just moved to perth if we build our tiny and we had it in Brisbane we could have just moved it easily here. So we don't have to sell a house. We don't have to do all of these things. So it really gives you that financial freedom as well. And, you know, just that flexibility. So, um, so yeah, and it really looks so nice. Like there's such great designs.
1: So many cool designs. Hey,
0: yeah. To kind of maximize on your space because it's a tiny house, you know, um, a lot of the tiny houses is built for purpose. So if you love cooking, you might have more space in your kitchen than, you know, in your bedroom, or, you know, you might not need two bedrooms, but you need one bedroom and a study. So it really kind of depends on whoever the tiny house is going to be, who's going to live in the tiny house. Um, But there's so many options. And I mean, like what I said to my husband as well, you know, if in five or ten years' time we feel like, okay, we want to have, like, a a big house now or, like, a bigger house or actually a brick house or something, then, you know, that house can always, you know, be sold, you know, you can have it as, like, an extra granny flat and um, anything. And that's, that's something that for older people as well, you know, if you – spend all your money to build a granny flat in your for your in your children's like on their property. If something goes wrong, and they sell the house, I don't know, they get divorced, anything, you kind of lose your house. But if you've built a tiny house, and something goes wrong, you literally get the moving company, they move your house, and you still have a house. So um, and it's also it's a lot cheaper to build a tiny house than to actually build a granny flat. So yeah, so there's all kinds of pros, and I'm super excited about our tiny. Fingers crossed, we get to move in. Hopefully by mid next year, I want to say.
1: Okay, so that's so I just going to. Uh, so that's when you're hoping to to finish it mid next year, around there maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously COVID and moving to Perth, mm. everything kind of you know have a little bit of a time delay um but yeah i'm really excited we've done a lot of designing already the design has changed numerous times um but it's such a fun project and i can't wait to share with you guys the day that we have actually moved Um, in i'm
1: excited to see some photos um yeah if, if anyone's on pinterest i know just generally for the tiny house movement hop on pinterest and just search kind of like tiny home designs and there's just so many amazing designs out there like you could you can spend hours just looking through them, and for me, like when I think about this this tiny house movement, it just the thing that comes to mind is just we don't need heaps of things in order to exactly. a survive to live an enjoyable lifestyle. Like we don't need more. We don't need big. Like less can be more in a lot of cases. And when you're when you've got these constraints of you know I have to. to design a home within the smaller footprint it forces you to think about the things that actually matter to you like i really enjoy cooking and so you focus the design around the kitchen but it just forces you to just be critical of okay what makes me happy what do i really enjoy and then yeah focusing that into some little design i love it i love it i can't wait to do it one day i'm so excited
0: Well, And and the other thing is um, something that we've been incorporating as well or trying to as much in the design is to build it around our habits, you know, so that I have a cupboard that's like by the front door so that I've got my sustainability kit ready to go that, you know, when I just walk out to, out of the house, I can grab and go. So that cupboard, everything that, that makes me have better habits, that's also designed kind of in the house so that. You know, um you don't have to feel like, "Oh, it's such a slip now I have to go to this cupboard and then go to this one, and you know my um my cu- my clothing is in the kitchen cupboard, and I don't know if I'm grabbing you know my shirt or the pasta, so it's things like this that you really can consider in the design and to make it you know that it it in, it, it improves your habits as well
1: definitely. Yeah, being able to design, t- tailor make that design to to your interests. Um, exactly. We're nearing we're nearing the end. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to expand on a bit?
0: No, I think yeah. we've we've covered a lot.
1: We've covered a lot of bases. Alrighty. So, how can people connect with you online?
0: Well, people can connect on you know Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So everything is designed by. Mariska. Mariska. <laughs> and, yeah. And then the um, the podcast, um, you can, you know, listen to it on anything, single platform where you can listen to your podcast in, and that is Mama Earth Talk. Um, so, yeah, people can reach out to me on, on social media. Instagram's probably the best. And I would love to hear from your tribe as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I have those links. So, uh, make sure to follow those podcasts and reach out to Mariska. I need to practice rolling that, that R. Mariska. Yes, Mariska. <laughs>
0: yeah, so we, we do practice that in, in South Africa because we're yeah. originally from South Africa, so we, we,
1: yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we roll it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, final question. Um, what message do you want to leave the conservation tribe?
0: Well, we kind of touched on it through the podcast, and I want to leave them with kind of this knowledge and power that um, that they vote every single day, and not necessarily with a ballot that they have to tick, but with the money that they've got. So every single day you spend your money, you are voting for something, and you know it's your choice whether you want to support something that is not supporting the environment. Or whether you want to go and support organizations that's actually supporting the environment. So that's kind of on you. And you know, that money stretched all the way from the way that we bank, the way that we, you know, have our super. So, you know, kind of realize that, you know, you have power because if we stop spending our dollars, you know, supporting organizations that is not really supporting our causes. Mm-hmm. They will change their ways or stop polluting our environment.
1: Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please feel free to subscribe. And if you want to be an extra legend, then please also leave a review. It really does help grow the channel. Thanks again, and I will see you in the next episode.